In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Blessed feast to every one of you. I love when we have this concurrence of events where we get to live out in a small measure the meaning of the feast. Welcome to all you parishioners from St. Barbara's, our Greek Orthodox brothers and sisters in Christ, and greetings to the Holy Monastery of St. Barbara's in Santa Paula. All of you nuns, thank you for joining us. We get to taste of the gathering of the Christians as we commemorate this great and holy feast of the unification and the birth of the church on this day of Holy Pentecost. This feast is one that completes the festal cycle that reaches all the way back to the festal cycle that the Lord commanded his people to keep from the beginning, from the giving of the law, from the exodus through to the giving of the law, and then the Pentecost of the Old Testament completed the commemoration of the giving of the law. But Pentecost today for Christians is something that is sealed by the giving of the Holy Spirit. It, for us, is the culmination of the commemorations of our Lord's crucifixion, His resurrection, His ascension, and then His giving of the fullness of the Godhead to us by sending the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. So for us and for the Holy Fathers of our church, they preserved something that was meaningful to us in a new key. Part of what changed when Christians took up the Feast of Pentecost was to preserve the connection to Christ. This is why it always takes place 50 days after the events of Christ's crucifixion, His passion, and His resurrection. So for us, whenever we come to this commemoration, though we share the same word, for us, it is the fulfilling of the law that was given at Sinai and the pouring out of the grace of the Godhead from Mount Zion to us in the forms of fiery tongues, descending upon the apostles, and then they go and proclaim that very same story. That's what we've heard in the epistle. And that's what Christ is proclaiming as he stood up in the middle of the feast that we heard in the gospel, that I am the light and I am the living water. It's within this feast, in this Christic connection, that the giving of the Holy Spirit comes to us. The fathers of Nicaea preserved this for us and we keep it to this day. In our calendars, this is a constant reminder from year to year that the giving of the law is completed by Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit to us. We have a fulfillment that took place in that upper room where the apostles were at. A new life given, as I said, pouring out from the Godhead itself to each and every one of us given. One of the commemorations, one of the things that changes for us Christians from year to year is that we stop saying a prayer right at the beginning of, right from the commemoration where we are remembering Christ's passion and his resurrection. We stop saying the prayer that opened up both the Orthro service and the liturgy today. O heavenly King, comforter, spirit of truth, who art everywhere present, fillest all things, treasury of good things, and giver of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity. It's a prayer explicitly to the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us, just as he did in Pentecost for the apostles and he does for each and every one of us at our chrismation. But I want to focus on 
two things that we call the Holy Spirit in that prayer. A treasury of good things and the giver of life. Christ's resurrection healed our human nature. He allowed us to approach and take, he came to us, which allowed each human being to become like Christ. But that wasn't able to fully happen. This is why the apostles waited. They waited in that upper room for the promise that Christ had given them, which is the descent of the Holy Spirit. So Christ healed our human nature so that we could begin to join him. But it's the Spirit that enables us to become actually like Christ and to be able to give the gospel as the apostles quickly began to do right after Pentecost. St. Theophan says it this way, what God the Father willed to be, what the Son of God accomplished in himself, that the Holy Spirit came today to give to the faithful. So Pentecost for us Christians is the gift of the Spirit that is given to us, who in turn gives us many different gifts. Many different gifts. But what I want to describe today, as we see in the back, many different gifts that we can ask for that the Spirit is able to give. Different virtues that enable us to become like Christ. But what I want to focus today, instead of those specific gifts, is that this, what St. Philaret of Moscow brings out, is that every Christian goes through a process of becoming like Christ. Of Christ being formed in them. And it's this is the activity of the Holy Spirit. St. Philorat goes on to explain six different ways, six different ways, different stages, if you will, of this growth in Christ within us. But first I want to give a little caveat, and it's the same caveat that St. Philorat of Moscow gives as he begins this homily. He says this, The way a person is filled with spiritual gifts is by the single undivided action of the Holy Spirit. However, in man, this action begins and ends, lessens and grows, delays and hurries, and takes various forms and directions. It always depends on the readiness of the recipient, but it never depends on his will. And by this, we should pause and say, not that we don't want it, not our, he's not saying our desire, but it doesn't depend on what we can do by our actions or by our own accomplishments and say, look what I have done. Why don't I have this stage? St. Philaret is warning against this mentality, but saying that we do need to be ready for when the Holy Spirit comes and brings us to this, through these stages. So what's the first one? It's the descent of the fiery tongues, which he says have the light of faith and the warmth of love that begin to be born in that person. It's a spiritual spark to life that begins to ignite in the heart. And he says it chiefly, what it does is it banishes self-love and it banishes fear of the other, fear of what may happen if this light of faith and this warmth of love and causes us to have some action. It banishes that from us. And we see that because the apostles immediately went out from that upper room as soon as they were there and began preaching to the crowds, even bearing the confusion and insult of the others. We heard at least, I think I counted three times the insult, aren't you from Galilee? As if saying, you are nothing. You're from some small backwater. But the apostles proclaimed and many believed because of these fiery tongues that brought the light of faith and the warmth of love. 
He says the second thing is that the voice of the law of God, the Word, that is, the conscience, becomes, the, becomes alive and is able to hear the voice of God. And that begins to speak in one's heart. And he says, then Christ is truly begins to be formed within the person. The conscience is then allowed to speak boldly and loudly, and we are able to begin to hear it. The human spirit hears the voice of the Holy Spirit. Really, our consciences are none other than being able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And this is a wonderful thing that begins to form Christ within our hearts, begins to form us to Christ in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, and in our very actions. He says that the third is an awareness of our fallenness. We begin to unable realize that we actually are unable to accomplish anything ourselves that is without Christ. We know this and begin to know this at a deep level. And that simultaneously with that knowledge that could drive us to a thought of saying, I perhaps am nothing, is paired with the hope of God that he is there with you in that. He will begin to work in you and cause you to grow and to become who God designed and wants you to become. But first, we need to have an awareness that we do need God. And that begins to deepen in this third stage. St. Philoret even says that we recognize that we are naked and laid bare before God, that we don't have anything to give. And this really, he calls the storm of repentance that we must journey through, a storm of repentance that ends up remaking us. But then we get to the fourth stage that St. Philoret says, this storm calms. Just as Christ calmed the storms as he crossed the sea and his disciples were terrified. That storm calms, and he says it goes into what is called the groaning of the Spirit. That is, that we begin to cry, Abba, Father, to God. We begin to recognize God, not just as some being out there who is all-powerful, knows everything, but the being who is our Father, who is also that. And he calls this the groaning of the Spirit, and this is really when prayer actually becomes enlivened in us. And again, this is a work of the Spirit that we become, get ready for, but it's His action first. It's the Spirit's action. And then that groaning grows within us and true prayer is born. Five, our fifth stage. He says that our spiritual dignity through this groaning of the Spirit is solidified. It grows. And it becomes clothed in Christ a reality that Christ is who I am becoming. And sixth, after that realization and after that reality, that we begin what is born in us an unbreakable certitude of the hope of faith in Christ, that he has risen from the dead, even amidst sorrow and travail, something that is unaffected by this. And this is what we call the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding. So often in our life, we think that we want to get to stage six right away. But St. Philaret is reminding us, no, we need to be ready for the movements of the Spirit. We need to be ready to be able to hear that. And he gives us this process, these stages, and the Spirit will show up as we are ready to receive them. We can't just say, I am ready. We leave that to God. 
I know all this sounds perhaps daunting, especially when we get to that last stage of having hope and faith no matter what is going on around us. So many of us, and speaking also for myself, we see this and it's so easy to forget about that faith and that hope that Christ has risen from the dead, he has conquered all, and that he has given us the spirit to see us through that great comforter. But what is also here is that we are given a great treasure in the gift of the Spirit, the greatest treasure of all. The Spirit works in us as we wait for it to be ready for these next, to reach perhaps that sixth stage. The saints reached that stage, and we find ourselves working with the Spirit somewhere along the way. What this is is what the fathers call uh, a synergy with God, that we work with him, but we are not the ones who are doing the work, but we make ourselves open and ready for the work of the Spirit. We follow Christ's commandments as best we can. We listen, we hope that we hear, and we hear Christ in the church by coming to the services, and this is how we make ourselves ready. By this work of receiving and making ourselves listen to the movements of the Spirit, we also become a priceless treasure. What I want to share with you is that there are other places where treasures are mentioned in the scriptures. And I think one that is easily missed, though is very, very important, is the parable, a twofold parable that's, there's actually three parables told back to back, but I want to share two of them from our Lord. The pearl of great price and the treasure that is buried in the field. I'll read them in total because they're very, very short. And it's important to know that the gift of the treasure and how we become that treasure. This is the parable that Christ says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had, and then he bought it. These two parables tell us of the value of Christ being formed in our life. He is the treasure. He is the pearl. But the meaning of the parable is not, as we see today, that Christ is somehow removed from us, but that that pearl and that treasure is formed within us by the movements of the Spirit, which in some measure by the work of the Spirit, we become that pearl who is Christ. We become that treasure who is Christ. So, my brothers and sisters, pursue the kingdom, and you will find that the great treasure to keep and make your own there. Just as the landowner in the parable and the pearl diver made those treasures their own, it was added to their treasuries, you will discover that the pearl that is Christ is within you. And you will find the mystery above mysteries that it is Jesus Christ that has been formed in you and within you. You will know that you have become that great treasure which the landowner purchased secretly. The spiritual life may feel as it grows and as it stagnates, it starts and perhaps it stops, usually because of our sins or in our struggles to truly love somebody else you may begin to experience this. 
But know that if you desire Jesus Christ and follow him and his commandments, his Holy Spirit will make you ready. In the Godhead's good judgment and in the right time, you will be brought to the fullness of Jesus Christ, the great treasure and pearl of these very short parables. You will say, along with St. Paul himself, it is no longer I, meaning my selfish ego or my passions, who live, but Christ who lives in me. That unspeakable peace which can never be taken, that every person actually desires and is actually seeking, that peace will be formed in you. By the Spirit, you are given a tongue of fire, the light of faith, the warmth of love, a conscience awakened to God's voice, awareness of your lingering sin to root it out, a truthful repentance, an intimate prayer with Christ, clothed in the dignity of the Lord by the Spirit and the unbreakable certitude in Christ, a peace surpassing all mere human reasoning and understanding. What a treasury that is given to us by the giver of life and the treasury of all good things. What an immeasurable pearl of value given. What a wonderful gift you are given on this day of the descent of the Holy Spirit of Holy Pentecost. Our Lord and Master, by your Lord, by the Holy Spirit, who knows you and who comes to know the great treasure of your life within you, with the Father and the Holy Spirit, may Christ be formed in each of us. Amen.